Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Risco. Uh, he is a firefighter who has turned into a millionaire and real estate guru and has written several books on how to do well, particularly in the real estate market. Welcome to the show, Mark. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Let's just start with a little bit of your personal story. Uh, how did you uh, start as a firefighter, and how, what was the conversion from that into helping people uh, make fortunes in real estate? Sure, sure. Um, it started about 10 years ago, matter of fact. Uh, my idea at the time of, of financial education or financial literacy was basically date a rich girl. I mean, that was my plan. I was I was a firefighter making, you know, 35000 uh, a year, and I've been dating this uh, young lady that uh, comes from a self-made family, and I hate using the word self-made because I don't believe any of us are self-made, but how we use that term. Um, her parents didn't come from money. Uh, they started a business on their own, so she grew up in a household that, that uh, understood short-term sacrifices and make, make long-term gains. And basically what happened was when she was on a trip, um, my, my apartment, I was leasing an apartment, and she, she, part of her job was to travel and that her company paid for her apartment. So needless to say, she had a very, very nice apartment uh, that we always hung out at. She never wanted to come to my apartment because it was just a little flat and maybe a part of town that she really didn't feel comfortable in, and that's all I could afford. But uh, what happened was she was gone for three weeks, and my uh, my rent, my lease came due, and I decided, why in the world am I going to sign another year's lease when we're spending all the time at uh, her place and she won't come to mine? So I just decided to uh, move in with her while she was gone uh, without her permission. So to be quite frank, I was kind of freeloading, and when she got back, needless to say, she was not very happy with it. And you know, we had a, a long talk. Of, well, actually, she talked. I listened. And uh, basically, she said, "Listen, if we're going to do this, and we're going to, I'm going to stay here. She's, she's not American. She's Australian. And she's like, if I'm going to stay in this country and have a, a family with you, um, then some things are going to have to change." And she left. She listed some ultimatum. She said, "Listen, I, I want to go home every month. Or excuse me, every year for a minimum of a month." see my family, and uh, then I want to take another month out of the year to meet my family somewhere else, and she's like, I want two kids, I, I want to go to the best private schools, I want like your country's public schools, she stated, uh, on top of that, she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and I'm thinking, holy cow, you know, all this, and I'm making 35000 a year, and, and I said, how are we going to do this, Tim, and she goes, we're going to start our own business, and basically, she's the one that pushed me into into business. She saw something in, in me that I didn't see in myself, and the business we picked was real estate. So we went to a couple seminars, got educated, um, and four years later, I'm in the first million, both capital-wise and uh, net worth-wise, and then uh, started teaching it uh, myself. I mean, I owe everything that I have to, to that type of education, so I just decided to, to give back and teach it myself. Uh, terrific. Now, your book, you have several books. One is called Making a Fortune During the Real Estate Recovery. Uh, some would say we're not in a real estate recovery right now. There's tons of foreclosures. That's a very depressed real estate market. It, 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 are we, in fact, in a real estate recovery now? Well, let's, let's be honest. None of us have a, has a crystal ball. And all these people that get on the radio shows and, 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 you know, talk shows and TV, and I would love to see their crystal ball. But I, I title it that way just because, for one reason, you, you hear so much negativity when it comes to real estate. 
And, uh, you know, yes, people are losing houses. Yes, people are losing jobs. The economy is still in the tank. I get that. We all get that. But I can say collectively in the last two or three years, I've made more money in real estate in this so-called bad, bad economy than I had uh, the previous three to four years when we were in a, in a great economy. So the reason I labeled it that way was just to turn people's heads, get, sit, let them sit down, get a lead, and, and, and give them the hope that you can still make money no matter if it's a bad economy or a good economy. So um, to some extent you're going where other people do not want to go. Do you go into the most depressed areas like in Las Vegas or someplace where it's really depressed? Well, I, I, I have to meet a certain criteria. Uh, I mean, we have to be realistic on where we buy, right? If there's no jobs there or jobs are disappearing, uh, we don't want to go in there. So basically, I have a, a formula that I, I practice, and and I mean, and what I'll do is I'll take the the medium house price of an area, and I'll be twenty to thirty percent below that medium house price, and the area has to have growth, and the neighborhoods that we pick that are below that median also have to have growth. Meaning, I'll find out what the average days of the market are, and those areas have to have. Uh, at 50% or less than the average days on the market. So what's that tell us about the area? People are buying, things are turning around, and that's basically the formula that I use. Now, you have in the beginning of your book, in fact, several of your books, you have uh, another book called The Seven Fatal Mistakes Wannabe Millionaires Make, and you have now another one called Kangaroo Millionaire, Seven Counterintuitive, Secret, Counterintuitive Secrets to Spring Ahead in Life and Wealth. <clears throat> A lot of it is about psychology and about being ready to be wealthy. What is it that stops a lot of people from being psychologically ready to make the moves to be wealthy? Oh, sure. Well, it's their own self-doubt. It's their own uh, self-belief system. Uh, I think um, it all does start in the mind. And, and when I do give seminars, when I do give talks, I, I emphasize it all starts in your own head. You've got to believe in yourself that you can make it happen. Most of us, most of us grew up in a, in, in a family that was basically, you know, middle class or, you know, a little bit below. And what we hear our parents say and, and what's ingrained in our head is typically I call it middle class type of thinking. And you got to get outside that box. You got to get out of, out of that type of mind frame, that type of, uh, uh, of, uh, of I, I like to call brainwashing uh, to, to make it happen. So it first starts with your, with your belief system. Um, are you able to? Yes. You can, yes. Um, but once you have the belief, then you got to go and get the education. The second one is you can't sit on your assets. you got to get off. you actually got to go do it. you got to try it, whatever it is it, it is, whatever the business is. For me, real estate, my biggest, biggest fear was doing my first deal. After I did my first deal, every deal gets easier and easier. A lot of times you say it's difficult for people to deal with failure, and they kind of retract. What is the best way to deal with failure so you're able to go on and be successful? Well, I have a saying, and one of my mentors taught me this, and it's called fail forward fast. And you've got to learn from your failures. Uh, you know, I, we want to minimize our failures by having, you know, education or having mentors or surrounding ourselves by people that have done it before us. But with that also being said, you're going to fail. Even, I mean, look at, look at uh, Steve Jobs with Apple. And how many times did he fail before he got it right? And, I mean, we can go on and on uh, of stories. Walt Disney, how many times was he told no before somebody finally, you know, financed him? So, again, it's the self-belief. 
and learn from your failures. Don't make the same mistake twice, but also learn from them and grow from them. You also say it's important to have a mentor to reprogram your mind. Uh, how can you find a mentor that would be good for you? And uh, what should you take from the mentor so that you're able to succeed? Well, that's uh, there's a couple two an- a couple answers to that question. Number one, um, basically, when it's something new, let's just say real estate, you're getting into real estate, and this is for any type of business. Find somebody that's been successful in it, and when you find someone that's been successful in it, learn from them. Find out what their mistakes were. Don't make those mistakes. Find out what they would do differently. Especially in today's market, I'll tell you, we're not doing the same things we were doing three years ago in today's market. Now, with that being said, though, you got to bring something to the table, too. You can't just be a leech. For me, I had to bring money to the table in the form of education or in the form of paying this mentor. Um, other times, what we can do is we can uh, maybe do work. I, I, For my office, I have internships. People come in, they work for free because they want to learn the business. It's win-win. I don't have to pay them. I'm also teaching them. Then they can go out and do it on their own. So there's so many different ways to find them. But they've got to be successful. You've got to be careful of these so-called mentors that just know theory and don't know how to apply to make action happen. You also say there are different ideas that are helpful and unhelpful in being uh, successful. What's the difference between an unhelpful and a helpful idea? Just give me an example or two of those. Sure, sure. Uh, when it comes to success, uh, a helpful idea would be the sense of what are you going to do with your success? Meaning, if I have XYZ, I can give back XYZ. The unhelpful ideas would be surrounding yourself by your typical quote-unquote friends that sit there and just tell you that you can't do it, it will never work, you should just be in safe. You should just be secure. I mean, I can give you mostly uh, unhelpful ideas uh, till they end, never-ending ideas, because we hear it in everyday society. But your helpful ones are, are, are what can you do? What, what is the vehicle? See, for me, it's not real estate. It's boring for me, uh, meaning that it's brick, it's mortar, it's what? Uh, it's paper, it's wood. There's nothing sexy about it. But it works. So I use that vehicle that works to become successful, to have the time to do what I want to do, spend it with my family, travel the world, give back to charities. So those are, those are what's, what's the end game? It's not so much the blood, sweat, and tears of what it takes to, to run your business, to, to build a business, but what's the end game? And I, I look at that when I have rough days. I look at the end game to figure out why, you know, why we're doing this. Uh, is real estate something that the average person can really get involved in? I mean, it's, it sounds like it's quite complicated. It involves a lot of money, selling skills. Is this something the average person can really learn to do? Lord knows if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, you know, I barely met in high school. I never went to college. i uh very dyslexic. Um, I was introvert. I think the fire department helped me help me with that, um, but uh, but yeah, anybody can do it. Anybody of average intelligence can make this happen. Okay, we're going to get into some more detail after the break about uh, exactly how the real estate deals uh, work. Uh, when you're saying you, you talk about your one's money thermostat, what do you mean 
by that, and how do you set the thermostat for success? <laughs> what are your goals? What do you want out of light? And then, and when you set that thermostat, meaning, okay, um, I can give a perfect example of my kids' private school. Uh, I know it costs X amount to send them to private school, so then I sit down and I say, okay, I have to do X amount of deals a year to pay for the private school. If I want to go on a vacation with family, uh, how much is it going to be? How much is it going to be to go there for that month? And then we do X many uh, deals. So we're setting that thermostat right off the bat of what do we got to do to make it happen? And then you also say it's important to set specific goals. It's important to write them down and specifically say how much they're going to cost. How do you set goals that's effective? Sure, sure. Well, you got to be realistic now. And, and a lot of times, this is where people set themselves up for failure. You're not going to be a millionaire next week. You're not probably going to be one next month. But an average of two to three years, that you can be one. So what? We, 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 we have never flipped a house. So goal one, what do we have to do to find a house to get on a contract to flip our first house? Then once we do it, okay, goal two, let's do four of them next quarter. You've got to be realistic steps step-by-step on how to achieve that goal. But realistically, a lot of times people will say, hey, I want want financial freedom. Uh, Okay, what's that to you? Well, that's to be able to do what I want when I want how I want. Okay, how are you going to get there? And they forget the middle part, which is your goal setting. Okay, very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mark Crasco. He is the author of several books. He calls himself America's Millionaire Coach, and we'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and is the co-founder of BR Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to The Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Do you want to know what's really going on these days? 
Well, Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in Washington, on Wall Street, and in our nation's legal system impacts your business every day. We're taking you on a behind-the-scenes tour of all of it. Each week, we bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers, lawyers, and business leaders. I'm Kevin O'Neill, and I'm your host as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join me for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Network each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Risco. Uh, he is a former firefighter turned millionaire and real estate guru. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me back. Great to be here. In your book, uh, Making a Fortune During the Real Estate Recovery, you say one of the key things is to find bargain-priced property. Um, so in today's market, what's the best way to do that? Oh, there's so many different different ways, but uh, one, of the, one of the best ways is, is with bank-owned properties. Uh, the, the banks, you know, foreclosed on people, took the property back. Maybe they gave the property back and, you know, did a little foreclosure. But buying them at bulk is the key, and this is the thing. This isn't what you want to do for your for your first deal. But you did ask the best way to find these is, is negotiating with the banks to buy packages. They're called bank tapes or bulk Rio. and basically you buy them at bulk. You know, a couple hundred properties at a time. You know, you find partners to to get the money, take it down, maybe sell most of the packages out to other people. Uh, uh, maybe hedge fund managers, CFOs, and insurance companies that they use to you know, hedge their, their losses against. Um, that's the best way. But if you're just starting out, um, the, the, the second best way is to find a good, a good uh, bank-owned uh, realtor that represents a local bank. Not so much big banks, but a local community bank. And they take properties back, and a lot of times um, investors get in over their head, don't really really know what they're doing, and they might not be able to perform on the note, and and it's half rehab, and you can get a half rehab property uh, from the bank. But here's the key. is When you start doing things like that, the key is to negotiate with the bank that has the property to see if they won't give you the money to finish the fix-up or at least to fix it up at a discount since you're doing them a favor by taking it off their books. So our banks are quite willing to do that today. They have a huge amount of REOs. And they want to get them off their books. Well, your small community banks are willing to do that. Now, your bigger banks, that's a whole different story because they do have a lot of REOs. But, uh, you know, it used to be that when they took back a property, they wanted to get it off their books real quick because they have to put seven times the amount of money in escrow. Well, what happened with the bigger banks is since they took all that TARP money years ago, they're still using that TARP money to offset their bank-owned properties, so they're not so much in a hurry to get them off those uh, off their books. You know, they're trying to weigh out the market for that magic crystal ball to tell them when it turns, then to go ahead and get them off their books. 
So as far as the individual, the best people to approach are the small community banks. Uh, yes. For individuals, the best is uh, the vice president of, com- of commercial lending. And they really need to get to know the community banks, the vice presidents of commercial lending. Those are the best people to contact. Even if you haven't had experience with rehabbing or doing this before, they'll still listen to you? Absolutely. They would rather you, they would rather you think about it, probably have more experience because then they know that you can perform. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's one way to do it. Another way is to work with foreclosures, either pre foreclosure or during the foreclosure process before it gets to a bank. What's the best way to do that? Well, we're going back to old school when it comes to that. And, and even in my own company, what we're doing now is we're going back to the old bandit signs. We're going back to the lower in marketing in newspapers, meaning not your big, big newspapers, but like your small trading posts, your small penny pinchers, those types of newspapers. And, and we're advertising in those to get the people that are in foreclosure or they're in pre-foreclosure. Uh, when people know when things are getting tough. I mean, we all know when things are getting tough a couple months before we can't make our first payment, right? So that's yeah. what we want to get in front of them. The way that we finally get in front of those people is basically the, the old school marketing of bandit signs, uh, of your lower end newspapers, magnets on cars, you know, letting everybody know that you buy property. Everybody knows somebody that's in trouble and just the old, old marketing 101 ways. We're finding the TV ads. I mean, we're not running them anymore. The big billboards because we just, in, in today's times, it seems like, uh, we have to go back to the old school. It's, it's really weird, but it's, 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 hey, that's where we're getting most of our leads from. So uh, when you get leads from people who are kind of headed towards foreclosure, uh, what is the best way to negotiate with them? Are you, are you in effect, oh, taking the over their thing. mortgage, or how, how do you well, do here's it? The, here's the first thing. It, it's got to be win-win. So let's just put that on the table. It's got to be beneficial for them. It's got to be beneficial for us. The days of taking over people's mortgages, you know, a lot of states have laws where you can't even do that anymore, uh, you know, through foreclosure protection acts because there was, there was a lot of unscrupulous investors during the bubble that were taking advantage of people uh, and, and right after the bubble. So a lot of states have made laws where you can't take over mortgages, you can't do wraparound mortgages anymore. So what we have to do first is just sit down with the client, find out what their needs are, uh, find out the numbers on the property. Are they over leveraged? Do they have equity? Are they on a just rate mortgage? Every deal is completely different. I mean, yes, there's a flow chart or a step-by-step method, but the numbers of every deal are completely different, and it's got to be win-win. Okay, and then, so that's the, the buying part. Uh, is there a lot of competition these days from other people uh, trying to buy I, these I, foreclosure I, scenarios? I, um, you know, it's funny. Competition's relative, uh, you know, uh, word. In my market, where we do a lot of our flips, there's probably five main heavy, heavy, heavy hitters that, and when I mean heavy hitters, that probably have 20 plus rehabs, 20 plus flips going on at every single time. Um, I will say yes and no. So let me, let me explain that answer. Yes, there's competition of everybody thinking now's the best time to buy a property, fix it up, sell it, and make some good money through the traditional ways of MLS, bank-owned uh, properties that are listed to the MLS to realtors. No, there's no competition when it comes to when you learn the creative ways of marketing, of, of going back to, like I said, the old-school marketing 
because um, people laugh. People laugh when we put up these signs and all. But I'm telling you, I, I, I can't tell you how many calls we're getting off of them right now. Um, so it, it's relative. I would say MLS with uh, relatives, there's competition on those type of bank owns, onesies, twosies. But as far as getting in pre-foreclosure, uh, not a lot of competition. And here's, and here's another reason why. People just don't have money. I mean, it was easy, what, three, four years ago when the banks were giving loans left and right, giving signature loans. You know, if you had a pulse, here's $300,000, you know, go flip property. But in today's times, you've got to have the financial backing, too, and a lot of people just don't have the financial backing. So you're saying there's less competition now to buy foreclosure scenarios than there was before? I would say ultimately, yes. Yes, ultimately, at the end of the day, yes. Now, you have a chapter we call the basics of the new flip. Uh, what are the basics of the new flip? And once you've bought these properties, what do you need to do to sell them or rent them out? Yeah, here's, here's what I mean by that. Um, we make our money on the buy. Let's make no mistake about it. You make money in real estate when you buy it because you have to buy it right. Long gone are the days where you could buy a piece of property, put a stick in the uh, two-by-four in the front yard, and it appreciate overnight. So what I mean by the ways of a new flip uh, in today's times is that we buy with the exit strategy of the number still being about 10% below market value, meaning after we buy it, after we fix it up, we can still afford to list it below market value to make our 30, 40, 50 grand per flip. That way we have the best looking property on the market cheaper than anybody else. So people are walking into equity. It's a little bit easier for them to finance because, well, their purchase price is less than what? The appraisal price. The lenders love it. So it's a whole new style of, of uh, flipping that we see ourselves doing. So do you do this remotely? I mean, you're based in Virginia, but how can you help people do this around the country? Well, we, can, we, we have our own coaching systems and our own mentoring systems that we can help them. I mean, it's just a numbers game. And it doesn't matter if you're in, in Detroit, if you're in Anchorage, it doesn't matter if you're in L.A., it doesn't matter if you're in Miami. It's a numbers game of step-by-step -step understanding your market and, and being able to put the pieces into, into play. Once you've bought something, you have to then fix it up. How do you deal with contractors in the best way so that you don't get ripped off? Oh, man, I tell you, that's a, that could be a whole hour and a half show in itself. Um, when it comes to contractors, here's how I how I deal with contractors. First off, we want to be in neighborhoods where other people are turning properties, right? That's why I said the whole 50% uh, less than average days on the market. So if I'm going to a new neighborhood, what I'll do is I'll drive to that neighborhood after hours uh, because when's the best time to see a contractor's work? When it's all torn apart or when it's all put back together? Well, of course, when it's all torn apart, get ready to go back together because that way we can see what they're getting ready to cover, so cover up. So what I'll do is I'll drive to these neighborhoods after hours, and as long as there's a no trespassing sign, uh, you know, the, the house is pretty wide open, I'll walk through it and look at the contractor's work. Well, I want to hire contractors that are already in that neighborhood because they know as they're already in that neighborhood that at nighttime they better have their ladders on the roof. Uh, you know, in the daytime they should probably still have their generators chained up so they know how they have to take care of things because they're already in that neighborhood. But that also being said, if I like the work that I see, I want to want to interview them and give them a shot. Now, typically what I do when I'm interviewing with them 
is I give them a contract that's kind of ridiculous. I'll say it before I even tell you the terms of the contract are. But what it is is the contract states will give you 50% up front, 25% in the beginning, 25% in the middle, and then you don't get the other 50% into the job sells. And that's a rough contract. But I give it to them on purpose just to see how they react. And if they have a bad attitude saying, there's no way they can work like this, this is below my standards, you know, what's it up to me uh, that you sell the property for me to get paid, then I'll never use them. But if they sit there and their response to me is, you know what, Mark, this is tough. I've never worked like this before. I understand we don't have a, a relationship yet and, and they're trying me out. And they come back to me like that. But well, listen, in my world, attitude is everything. And that's one sure way to, uh, to, to weed bad attitudes out. So that's, that's one thing I do. Another thing we do is we look at the draw schedules. Once they come to me with a good attitude, I'll rip that contract up and I'll give them the real contract, which is a third, a third, and a third. A third in the beginning. Now, in the beginning, what we will do is hold back two and a half weeks. We'll hold back two and a half weeks of labor. And the reasons we're holding two and a half weeks of labor is just to make sure that they can float two and a half weeks of labor. If they can't float two and a half weeks of labor, well, we know they're not running a good business. Out of every draw schedule, we'll hold a 10% back. So 10% of whatever they're asking for, we're going to hold back. We want to keep it in escrow to the very end. And the reason we're keeping it in escrow to the very end is just in case they don't show up to finish the job. They don't get that last 10%. They don't get that last 10% until the job is 100% complete. Permits are cleared. Lien waivers are signed. Um, inspections are done. Punch list is done. Then we give them that last 10%. So it's a way to make sure that we're always ahead of the contractor and not that the contractor is ahead of us. Very good. Okay. We're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Mark Risco. Uh, he is America's millionaire coach, a real expert on uh, real estate. When we come back, we're going to talk about tax liens and other ways to make money in real estate. We'll be back after this. markets up or down or if you're looking to improve your portfolio our experts are ready to talk to you call now toll free 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 voice america business network Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. 
Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Risco. Uh, he is America's millionaire coach, self-made man who uh, learned a lot about the whole real estate market and is going to give that advice to you as well. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me back. Glad to be here. In uh, your book, you talk about the tax lien and deed business. Uh, what are some of the positive negatives of tax liens? Is it a way to acquire a property and earn a decent return? Sure, sure. Listen, when it comes to tax liens and deeds, this is more of a portfolio type of investing. Basically, when it comes to real estate, there's three types of income. You have your earned income, uh, your passive income, and portfolio. So one of the things with tax liens and deeds is there's some misconceptions, and, you know, some of them are true, some of them aren't. Uh, one thing is a lot of people talk about how they want to use tax deeds and liens as a way to acquire property. Now, can that happen? Absolutely. Make no mistake about it. It can. Have we done it? Yes, we've acquired property through tax liens and more so deeds. Absolutely. But it's more of a portfolio type of investment, meaning you're getting a return on your money. And the reason I say that is lots of times when it comes to people not paying their taxes, there's mortgages involved. There's liens uh, uh, from a bank on the property. They have a lien against it called a mortgage or a deed of trust. And the reason I say it's more of a portfolio type of investing is, yes, you can get your 15, 20, 25, some states even more percent return, but a lot of times as far as taking the property down or actually getting the property, if there's a lien against it through a bank, the bank's going to step in. They're going to pay the tax lien off. They're going to give you your interest, uh, your return on it, but they're not going to allow their their position to be taken away. Say they have a note that's 200000 on it. And you're getting away with trying to buy it for $7,000 to lien. They're not going to go ahead and allow that to happen. They're going to step in. But with that $7,000 for one, two, or three years, if you can get a 15% return on it, well, let's do it. Because where else are you going to park your money and get a 15% return? So what are some of the uh, pitfalls in, in uh, bidding for tax liens and deeds in the first place? Exactly. Not knowing the property. Auction. Doing it on auctions, absentee. Not doing your research on a property. Is it even a buildable lot? Is there is it an old gas station that had leaky leaky uh, uh, tanks? I mean, so you've got to do your due, your due diligence. Uh, it's not always as easy as just buying the lien and, and thinking you're going to get a return. Well, if it's wasteland or it's non-buildable lots or it's non-buildable properties or it's condemned property that once you tear it down, they change the zoning laws that you can't rebuild on it. 
well, what are you buying? You're buying a liability because there's no way for anybody to pay. No one's going to pay uh, on that tax lien. So they give out the list of liens beforehand, and uh, you, you have to read. I mean, if you're far away, how do you go research these properties and see if there are any of the problems you just mentioned? <laughs> That's the trick. That's the trick. Um, a lot of times, you, you a lot of cities, bigger municipalities, they have all the information at the tax assessors online, right? So you can do, you can go to that tax assessor's website, look online. Um, you have to do, a, you can call down to the deeds uh, or hire a title company to do a title search on it, um, see if there are any other liens on it. Uh, you can hire uh, realtors uh, that are in that area to help you do some due diligence on it. Um, so there's a lot of different ways, but again, it goes back to making sure the people are capable of doing the type of due diligence and that you're satisfied that they've done it and they're being honest with the results. Yeah. Uh, when you're actually in the bidding process, uh, you say there are different ways of doing bidding down the interest, uh, premium, random selection. What is the best kind of auction to participate in if you want to buy tax liens and deeds? I would honestly say start in your own backyard first. Start your own backyard, watch some of the auctions, see how it's actually done. Every state has a different process. Like you said, some states you bid down the interest. The interest will start maybe at 20% and people are actually bidding down for the interest. Others are the opposite. You're bidding up for the interest. Um, so I would say learn it in your own backyard. And really this goes for any type of real estate. Learn it in your own backyard first, then duplicate that system somewhere else. Yeah. So it's basically something you should assume you're going to get a rate of interest. Each state has their own interest rate. What are some of the states that you like uh, to buy tax and leads and deeds in? I love Ohio. I love Texas. I love Illinois. Um, those are about my three top ones for different different reasons that, again, we could spend a sh another show on that, but more so for the interest returns. Ohio, one of the best. And what, what are the interest rates in those three states? Um, I can tell you, Ohio's up the top of my head. I know is around fifteen to seventeen percent. Sometimes up to sometimes we can even get it up a little bit more than that. Um, Texas more so for the deeds side of it, um, but targeting properties that don't have mortgages on it um, and that don't homestead and uh, the same. Okay, and then you say once you've acquired the property, this what's called the redemption process. Uh, when you, you do have a chance to buy the property, how does that work, and how long is the redemption process typically? Yeah, that also is state uh, is, is different from state to state. What I've found the best process to do is to hire a local small real estate attorney to help you along the way with that. Because if you go and you do the paperwork the wrong way, you screw up the whole process and have to spend even more money correcting your, your mistake. So that's that's my key. It's what we do is we hire a small, you know, they can do it for a couple hundred bucks. Well, if you have a $30,000 lien, that's a little high, but if you have a $10,000 lien that in three years you've made, you know, 15 to 20% interest on, and then you're going to redeem the property, what's well, a couple hundred bucks to spend to make sure it's done right when you know you're going to get the property? Yeah. Okay, and then you have a whole chapter on what you call putting the deal together. Uh, we're just taking all the things we've talked about. What are some of the elements that you need to put the deal together to actually close and both buy and sell the real estate for a profit? 
Well, let's talk about it. We, of course, we need we need funds, right? We need the money. Whether it's conventional financing, hard money, private money, um, your own money, you you need a, a good lawyer. Um, I'm all about attorneys, not title companies. And the only reason is an attorney can fix a problem at closing. Unfortunately, a title company, they have to go through an attorney to fix it. Uh, we need a contract, right? We need a good, solid contract. Um, we're going to need, if we're talking about flipping property, we're going to need a good contractor. And we're going to need a scope of work and a time frame. Everything has to be in writing. I learned this in the fire department as a medic. If it wasn't in writing, it didn't happen. I agree when it comes to, to the real estate business, when it comes to flipping property, when it comes to putting a, a deal together, if it's not in writing, if it's not stood out clearly, it's not going to happen and it didn't happen. So that happens to a lot of people as they don't put it in writing and then things fall apart. Well, yeah, yeah you know, verbal is a verbal. He said, she said, right? So when you have a contract, let's just say on the contract side of it, of, of acquiring a property, of purchasing a property, you have the timing, right? You have the price. And you need to have a schedule. We're going to have X, Y, and Z done by this date, our due diligence done by this date, and we're going to close by what? This date. If not, then you're not in compliance and it's time to back out. And do people resist putting things in, in writing like that? Or is that a warning sign? No, they do I don't find a lot of resistance at all because that way everybody's on the same what? Page. Everybody knows exactly what's going on. There's no questions about what, when, and how. Indeed. Very good. Okay, uh, we're going to come back, and the next thing we're going to talk about is cash flow property and rentals and how to do that in a really good way. And also, we're going to get into some of your seven kangaroo counterintuitive secrets to spring ahead in life and wealth. Yeah. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My uh, guest this hour is Mark Risco. Uh, he is America's Millionaire's Coach and, uh, as you can see, a real expert on real estate. We'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. PM Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Mark Risco. Uh, he is America's millionaire coach and an expert on real estate. Welcome back to the show, Mark. Ah, uh, Glad to be here. Thanks again. Uh, tell people the website where they can find out more about uh, what you do and, and tell them a little bit about the seminars you're providing these days. Sure, sure, sure. They can go to it's myname.com, so www.marchrisco.com, um, markrisco.com. We do have an 800 number. I'll get it out there, but the best way is to go to, to the uh, website, hit the Contact Us uh, button, and then uh, we'll be in contact with you in regards to, to the seminars that we're doing. Um, so really quick, the 800 number is 800-589-5410. Again, 800-589-5410. And basically, we're, we're doing a couple different seminars. We're doing um, uh, one-day seminars. We're doing up to five-day seminars, depending on the level, your expertise, what you want to learn. So we do everything from, like, getting started, Real Estate 101, all the way to some real advanced uh, flipping and rehabbing seminars that uh, that will go out on bus tours. We'll actually have my power team come in, and I'll teach you. My power team will teach you. We'll actually go out. We'll see uh, how we bid, uh, how we close, the whole process from start to finish, and in between. Very good. Okay. Uh, you have a whole section on cash flow, uh, owning and uh, rehabbing cash flow property. Uh, what is the strategy behind uh, getting rental real estate, and, and uh, why is that something you want to pursue? Well, again, when I said there's two types of income, you have your, your earned, passive, and portfolio. This would be your passive income. And basically, this is when you buy something once, you get paid time and time and time again. And, um, this is what moves you to, you know, you get you out of that job, get you towards the retirement dreams. So when it comes to holding properties, one rule, one rule that I'm adamant about is we never leverage ourselves more than 80% loan to value. Meaning if the property is worth a hundred grand, we're never going to have more than an eighty thousand dollar mortgage on it. Now, with that being said, we have the cushion because none of us have crystal balls, even though some of us wish we did. I think we do. Uh, so you never know what's going to happen in the future of the market. But if it does go down, you have that twenty percent cushion. This is where a lot of investors got stuck, got caught in the bubble. Um, see, we never buy unless we have four different exit strategies. And what a lot of these investors were doing is during the bubble, they were buying and holding banking on one exit strategy, which was that false appreciation. So then when the market tanked, because they had themselves leveraged at 100, 105, 110%, when the market tanked, they had no cushion uh, of equity, so they ended up being over-leveraged. So number one, no more than uh, uh, 80% loan to value. Another, another uh, thing about buying and holding properties is you got to you got to realize what neighborhood you're in, what type of area you're in. Listen, I started with real low, 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 low income um, type of housing, apartments, and so forth. And yes, the cash flow was awesome, but the headaches were terrible. <laughs> so I finally one day just said, you know what? I'm gonna sell all my low end, and I'm gonna stick with the formula that I just told you at the beginning of the call about about twenty to thirty percent below your medium house price. Um, the cash flow is not as great, 
But I can tell you this, the headaches aren't nearly as great either. So 80% loan of value, the formula of 20, 30% below your medium house price, and uh, the, the neighborhood you're in. Are there a lot of strong rental markets around the, uh, the country right now? Oh, what yeah. Is going on Probably more so than ever because people are losing their houses, right? They haven't lost their job or, or the baby, you know, the baby boomers, their, their illnesses, they might, you know, lose their job or death in the family or they were in bad mortgages or because the market tanked. So they, 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 they have to rent because their credits ding. And we started a whole other program that we take you from home, home renter into home ownership. Meaning we'll take you from a rental position after a couple of years. I mean, my philosophy is three years. Then we'll roll you into a house, a single family, uh, that's owner finance. That we owner finance for you. Because, I mean, I think just because something happens in someone's life that they might not be in control of, it shouldn't ruin their life forever. They shouldn't never be able to buy a house ever again because of one thing. So I'd say the rental market's stronger than it ever has been. Uh, is it generally a good idea to hire a property manager or to manage it yourself? Here's, here's, my philosophy is this. I believe in managing your own properties in your own backyard because you need to learn how to do it to make sure when you hire a property manager that they're doing it right. Well, we decided just to have our own property management company. So I, we own our own property management company uh, because I'm about multiple streams of income. So if I'm managing my own property... I might as well be managing other people's property. Therefore, I have a whole other income, and when they want to sell their property, I'm the first to know we're already managing it. We might as well buy it. But with that being said, managing property is not everybody. If you're busy and, and you have a, a job that you love and you're just looking to, to supplement more income or have a secure future or retirement, then, yeah, you're probably the type of candidate that, that should be hiring a property management company. Absolutely. Very good. We've got some good ideas on real estate. Now I want to go to your new book uh, called Kangaroo Millionaire, uh, where you have seven what you call counterintuitive secrets to spring ahead in life and wealth. But what are some of those secrets uh, that we should uh, can share with the, the listeners? Sure, sure. Uh, number uh, one, of my, one of my favorites, uh, one of my most favorites is this one. Ignore the advice of 99.99851% of the planet. And I'll say it again. Ignore the advice of 99.99851% of the planet. And the reason I, I say that is when it comes to the world, over 6.6 billion people on planet Earth have never made a million dollars. So when you calculate it out, that comes out to 99.99851% of everybody has never made a billion dollars. So who are you listening to? When people tell you you can't or it won't work or that's not going to happen, you're listening to people that have never done it themselves. Um, another one is, is, is which we need to, a lot of people I think need to get over is debt isn't all bad. We're pretty much trained to, to think debt's bad. Well, it's not so much the debt, it's the type of debt. I mean, there's good debt and there's bad debt. Bad debt doesn't make you money. It costs you money. Good debt is what makes you money. If you would have told me by age 30 that I'd be a couple million dollars in debt, I'd have had a I'd have had a heart attack. You told me by age 36, which I am today, that I'm the, the tens of the millions of dollars in debt. I don't know what I would have done. But it's not that I'm in that debt. It's how much does that debt make me. That's the key. Um, I also like this one. Uh, being the stupidest person in the room. 
I I love being the stupidest person in the room, and I know that sounds counterintuitive, but but here's the thing: I don't want to know everything about everything. Who has the time? I know very little about a lot, but I know how to surround myself by people that know a lot about very little. Does that make sense? They're real specialists in those areas. You're saying. There you go. There you go. I also uh, I also like this one: be lazy. But we gotta be lazy the right way. And what I mean by that is, the worker bee is still a worker. I want you to be the queen. Think of that. The queen just hangs back of a hive, right? And just sits back. And it's all the worker bees that are ones that are really busy bringing everything back, so she has all the honey. So is, is also, that rental real estate? What would be an example of how it could be a queen bee? That's right. Be a queen bee. There you go. Um, what about paying high prices? That's, I always, you always hear, ah, oh, you know, go find that discount. Don't pay that much for it. Listen, half price help gets you half the results. I have no problems playing high prices. I pay people for what they know. And specialists, if they're going to save me money, they're going to make me more money, then I'm going to pay them more money because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Also, be unoriginal. <laughs> Listen. I I get scared when people try to want me to invest or get into new things. I don't like new things. That's why I like real estate. It's boring. It's been around forever. When you try to invent new things, well, think about it. The first software company that's ever uh, developed software is no longer around. The first uh, uh, person that tried to make the electric car is no longer around. Right? When you try new things, typically they fail. I want you to be unoriginal. I want you to, to copy what works and then make it better. And then last, give stuff away. you got to be a boomerang. What comes around goes around, and I have found the more you give away, the more that comes back to you tenfold, which are pretty counterintuitive to, to what most of us grew up to, right? Save for rainy days, save for this, save for that, hoard this. This is yours, you know, you earned it. Yeah, I agree with all that, but... When you give things away, generosity is a boomerang. It comes back to you tenfold. Very Those good. Are my seven counterintuitives. Yep. Terrific. All right. Well, this has been very interesting. My guest this hour in the Money Answer Show has been Mark Risco. Uh, his website is markrisco.com, which is M-A-R-C-H-R-I-S-K-O. Uh, he's got seminars. He's got books. All kinds of ways where you can see you can do very well in uh, becoming a millionaire and also doing all kinds of things in the real estate market uh, that we have today. So thanks so much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Mark. Thanks for having me. It was a great, great time. Thanks again. And we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.